Hi, this is Shannon Courier. Coming up next on the Highway to Hope podcast, we are talking to country legend Billy Dean. He is going to be a part of our Highway to Hope virtual concert event on Sunday, May 16th from 6 to 8 p.m. Let's listen to that 90s country sound. On my holster low across my hips With two code 45s with white plastic grips And I'd head west through our neighborhood And they'd say, here comes young Billy And he's up to no good Yeah I rode a trail through the neighbor's backyard Shooting the bad guys through my handlebars Known for my bravery both far and near Being late for supper was my only fear I miss Billy the Kid The times that he had These days I don't know whose side to be on There's such a thin line between right and wrong I live and learn, do the best I can There's only so much you can do as a man I miss Billy the Kid The times that he had The life that he lived I guess he must have got caught His innocence lost Lord, I wonder where he is I miss Billy the Kid everybody, this is Shannon Courier, the Director of Philanthropy and Development with the St. Christopher Truckers Relief Fund on the Highway to Hope podcast. And I am, as always, joined by my friend Greg Thompson, the Executive Producer of the Podwheels Network and producer of our Highway to Hope podcast. Hello, Greg. Hey, Shannon. And I'm excited today because we got a chance to talk to Billy Dean. And I know Billy Dean is one of your favorite country artists. I know you've got a long list of those. One of the things that just impressed me so much about Billy was just how cool and how at ease he is at this point in life. 
he and I are about the same age, but he's been in the music business now for like over 30 years, and that is a long time to be in this music industry. Such a cool guy, and it was a fun, fun interview. It was. We had a great time. Billy is so personable, so easy to talk to. He's just like having a beer or a glass of tea with your best friend. You know, he's so easy to talk to. He has. He's been in the business for a long time. You know, he has that traditional 90s sound that was so loved and he has so many hits. I love his music. And so it's been fun to connect with somebody that you spent a lot of your younger years listening to and dancing to and singing along with on the radio. And he's just made it so easy. It's like you've known him forever. That just shows the staying power that he has, though, being in the industry 30 plus years later and now being an influencer and writing partner to the next generations that are coming up. That just says a lot about the respect that he has in the industry. Well, and one of the things that folks are going to hear is how he got connected to this show, your virtual show, the Highway to Hope Benefit Concert for SCF on May 16th. You related a little bit about it in the first podcast in our series, how Donna Horton from Dave Nemo's team was able to reach out to her friend Winona. If you're gonna have friends in country music, it's pretty cool to be able to call Winona a friend. It just became like a phone tree, I believe. Absolutely, so Donna, I had known that she had a connection to Winona for a long time. And when you talk to Donna, it's why. You know, so she's that's her friend. And so she called her up. And of course, Winona was on board with it immediately. You'll hear Billy talk about it in the interview, but he was there when this conversation was going on. And so they were talking to him about it, knowing he has a connection to the industry already. He was like, yes, I absolutely want to be a part of that. So it was an easy yes for him as well. That was so exciting to get Winona immediately. And then in the next day or two, I get a text saying, hey, Billy Dean's on board as well. And I was like, really? <laughs> okay, this is fantastic. You know, and then you get this email from Billy and it's like, hey, Shannon, it's Billy. And I'm like, well, hey. So, <laughs> yeah. And again, Shannon, what you've done here is that it's almost magical, right? That all these things are just kind of aligned and a phone call to Winona, Billy's at the house, other folks join in. It's just picking up momentum. And I think people are really gonna enjoy our interview with Billy. We're welcoming country music singer-songwriter Billy Dean to the SCF Highway to Hope podcast today. Billy, welcome. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. We are so excited to have you be a part of our Highway to Hope virtual charity concert. And I have to start out by saying you have current music and we're going to talk about all of it and it's all fantastic. But I have to say, I have been listening to you. I'm a country music fan and have been since the day I was born. And I have been listening to you for a very long time. When I hear Billy Dean, I hear Billy the Kid in my head. And when I hear Billy Dean, I think somewhere in my broken heart, those are just ingrained in my brain when I hear your name. Thank you very much. Both songs, one I wrote with a Hall of Fame songwriter, Richard Lee, Somewhere in My Broken Heart, he and I wrote, Paul Nelson and I wrote Billy the Kid. I miss Billy the Kid, two really great songwriters, and I love those tunes. They've been really good to me. They have. They're just part of my growing up. And I think I'm about the same age you are. It's not like I was listening to them as a kid, but I just love those songs. And so I love the new music that's coming out too. And we're going to get to that. But I wanted to start with how did you 
and anybody has probably knows Billy Dee's probably has heard this, but for anybody that's new that might not know Billy Dean or hadn't heard about Billy Dean in a while because you're just been living under a rock. Well, my dad was a retired World War II veteran. He had a band and they played music every Friday and Saturday or mostly every Saturday at the American Legion Hall ever since I was a little kid. The guys would come over to our Texaco station and rehearse. I was a little kid seeing amplifiers and guitars and drums. I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen, like Christmas. I would hang around those musicians, and I just kind of naturally started playing at a very young age. I remember playing second grade my guitar, and it just stayed with me all the way to what was a teenager, and I started going out doing my own shows. wanted to go to Nashville, and I thought, well, to get out of North Florida, which is where I'm from, a little town called Quincy, Florida, Gaston County, I ended up entering a few contests. One in particular, when I was about 19 or 20 years old, I think, it was called the Wrangler Country Star Search. It was get a winner from every state. And then the finals, if you made it into the top 10, you made it onto a national TV show with national judges, people who are in the music industry. And I made it into the top 10. I made it onto the national show. And I didn't win the whole thing, but I developed a relationship with two or three of the judges. One was Francis Preston, who was the head of BMI for many years. He encouraged me to move to Nashville. And I did. I moved up to Nashville playing clubs and then kind of graduated into singing jingles and demos and working in the studio, which kind of led me to my first publishing deal at EMI Music, which housed really a lot of big, famous songwriters, Chris Christopherson, people like that. And that led me to a record deal at Capitol Records, and I was signed it was Garth Brooks, myself, and I think John Barry, Susie Boggess, that we all kind of signed there together and came out together. And I had a little bit of a head start, I think, on Garth. I had had a few singles out that did well. One of Country Music Song of the Year was Somewhere in My Broken Heart. And then, man, Garth hit. And oh my God, the whole world, everything changed. You talk about truckers, man. There wasn't enough trucks out there to service the demand of his sales. And we just watched this whole phenomena happen. So it was really good for all of us. It was good for label mates of mine. We continued to have success. And it just kind of grew from there starting around 1990 i think everything really started happening man you've done this now billy for 30 years you can do this for a long time and not achieve any level of success for you to have sustained for this long is an amazing credit to your talent and your abilities to work with an evolving industry so when you look back at 30 years are you amazed i totally am what really became apparent was during the COVID shutdown and everything, I started thinking about what if I was at the verge of my first release, get the record deal, to get the single done, to get the video done, to get the publicity done, to get your team ready to launch your career. And then what if this had happened to me and COVID hit and then your people start getting laid off and you should see your dreams just flushed out. It's very fragile. The success is very, very fragile. I'm extremely lucky. I could kind of credit my old buddy Richard Lee, the songwriter I was telling you about. He's a Hall of Fame songwriter now. Wrote songs like Don't It Make My Brown Eyes Blue. He and Waylon Holyfield wrote the very first single that I had. And the label was talking to me about what do you think your first single would be? And I didn't have any idea what to really release. I loved everything on the album. And I asked Richard Lee, he said, you better come with the most powerful message, maybe. That way, if it doesn't happen and it doesn't go any further, you know you came with your best message. 
So that message was only here for a little while, a song called Only Here for a Little While, which incidentally was just kind of really not doing a whole lot until the first desert storm came into play and our country was at war all of a sudden for the first time since the Vietnam War, I guess you could say. And that message started really standing out, it started catching on. It was just having the right message at the right time. And I look back and think of how easily that could have not been the case and how fragile it is to even break through. So I'm very grateful. We definitely thank those guys driving up and down the highway and the girls, too, that tune into country music. A lot of the drivers support. They work in our industry, but they are also consumers of our industry. So it was very fortunate to have it. And I totally take that as a compliment to even get the first one or two singles out. There's a time, at least in my career, where you start looking at there's two kinds of fans. There's a fan of celebrity and then there's a fan of music and mm -hmm. sometimes both. I found myself spending way more time on trying to promote the celebrity more than promoting my craft. I think just having a switch of going, you know what, I'm just going to try to do great work. It may not be popular at the time. Maybe it'll come back around, maybe whatever. But I think just for me, I'm going to just try to do the best work I can do and let the rest take care of itself. Next thing you know, you know, God, I'm still around here 30 years later. I'm not screaming up the charts anymore, but I'm writing a lot with these young writers. These guys have such reverence for the 90s artists and the 90s country music has made a little bit of a comeback. So life is good right now. We're starting to get back to work, like he said. So thank you all so very much for even just keeping our names out there and keeping it alive. Keep my 
writing process so you talked about doing it early on in your career how has your writing process evolved I had a friend of mine that participated in an interview with Greg Allman and he asked Greg Allman he says well how do you write a song and I'll never forget this Greg said I don't write a song the song writes me and I thought that was some sort of showbiz type thing but really when I started thinking about it there's a lot of truth to it how has your songwriting evolved over the years well, it definitely has. And writing, I think, music for the masses, you could say, music that people can connect with quickly, sing along to quickly. I think that's a craft and a trade that's only handed down kind of from peer to peer. It's not really something you learn in college because the bullseye, the hit song, the fashion of it changes so drastically over time. I wrote a song not too long ago, and it had a guy saying, I want to take you out dancing. And my son, 25 years old, 26 now, I said, Dad, we don't do that anymore. We don't go out and go dancing there. I would go, oh, 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 okay, okay. <laughs> so, okay, no dancing in the lyric. Things like that, you just don't know because each generation brings their own musical influence, their own language to country music. And they're generally coming in from different musical backgrounds, from playing clubs and playing top 40 music to make a living you play all kinds of songs but when you get to nashville you have to really kind of learn what is country music what's accepted and what the fans expect to hear i had to laugh i'm sitting here and i had to just pump my hands when you were talking about writing about taking somebody out dancing because my husband and I have been country western dancing for 25 years. There's not a lot of places to do that anymore. And there's a new place opening up here. I love all country music. The old, the new, I do. I love it all. But when you're talking about, again, it's a connection a connection with another person, a connection with your spouse. It's that 90s music that comes to mind when you think about two-stepping and swinging and shoddish. It's those 90s songs that come rushing back because they're the ones that fit that thought process. That's what we dance to all the time. Even when we're dancing here at the house, we've been teaching some friends to couple dance and we're always playing the 90s songs. I know the young kids don't necessarily do that anymore, but there's something special about a connection that dancing brings that they might be missing. <laughs> I totally agree. I think it's one of the key ingredients, and it has been for centuries, a key ingredient of romance. I was so thrilled. You're exactly right, man. Country music exploded in the 90s, and a lot of it was due to a lot of the clubs, kind of disco clubs, converting over to country music line dancing clubs. We started seeing lawyers dressing up in Wrangler jeans and cowboy boots and putting on a cowboy hat. And I think it was wholesome, and it was safe, and it was trendy. I think a lot of things contributed to it, but it was definitely a change of the guard back around the late 80s, 90s in Nashville. I came to Nashville around 85, I think, 84, something like that. 
there was a big change of age of singer-songwriters that were coming onto the scene then. And like I said, we were bringing all our Eagles influence, James Taylor influence, kind of that soft rock influence. Garth was bringing Billy Joel influence with Shameless and things like that, all kind of packaging up in country music. And I think the one thing about our generation was very important to us, I think, was you preserve the past and pay homage to our people that came before us and you preserve the future. You tried to move the needle and try to push the boundaries of country music. Every time they said there's a little boundary here, or, you can't do this, you can't do that. Well, when you're young and an artist and kind of a rebel, you don't want to kind of push at that a little bit. And so I think that's what drove a lot of these singer-songwriters to expand a little bit. What I love about country music it is it didn't splinter off into several different types of country music. You didn't have heavy metal country music. You didn't have alternative country music. You just had country music. Everything stayed to the roots. You mentioned earlier that you enjoy working with the young folks. What do you enjoy most about collaborating with young writers or young musicians? What do you see for the future of country music? There's so many great singers. There's these young guys and girls that they're such good singers. It's almost like you can write a melody again. You could write a challenging melody to show off those ranges that these singers have. I like the fact that they love to find out what a metaphor is, writing 101, because they can sell anything. They could yeah. sell a poor lyric or an amateur written song. They could sell it because they're such good singers. So I think what I love is they teach me how they speak. And I kind of teach them a little bit of the structure, stuff that doesn't go out of style, a little melody. Because yeah. I've got a lot of melodies over the years I've had to do. And so there's a whole generation of melodies inside me that, that some of these guys never even heard. And it's great to see how it just comes back around. So I think a few more stories are coming in, more melody coming in. It's still, hey, let's have fun and let's kick it up on a dirt road. I think we still got a lot of that. I really love our female artists out there. They generally can give us a song a little bit more of a variety, maybe even a little more deeper, like a house that built me kind of a song from our female artists. Thank God. You mentioned early on that you wrote some commercial jingles, right? Right. Did that help you in terms of your overall songwriting? How did that help influence you or enhance what you're doing in the longer song form, if it did yeah. at all? I think it does. I never really thought about it, but now that I do think about it, I think it's, hey, how do you hook someone's ear and attention in a quick amount of time? Now, I was probably did more singing of jingles than I wrote, but I did write some, and that was it. That was getting it said and getting it done. Don't bore us. Get to the chorus. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking for some Grateful Dead extended jams or anything like that. It was like, just get right to it. A couple of formulas we always use is correct the man and glorify the woman and don't bore us, get to the court. <laughs> well, 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 very quick story, and I hope everybody finds this entertaining. I was in Macon. I went to an event that celebrated the release of Greg Allman's last record. It was called Southern Blood, and it was released in late 2017. My daughter and I went down there. Shank Middleton, who was Greg's best friend, and he was with him for most of his adult life, he was talking about Greg didn't like long guitar solos. So Shank said, Greg, how long do you feel like this? And Greg said, I talked about that when my brother was in the band, and this is like 50 years ago. And he, Devin Allman, who's Greg's son, he says, well, let me speak up for guitar players <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but let's get to the event that you're going to be a part of, the Highway to Hope 
When you look at St. Christopher Fund and what St. Christopher does for truckers, what inspired you to be a part of this event? Well, I had fortunately had a big soft spot for drivers. I live on the road with them. We eat at the same place. We sleep at the same place. We fuel up at the same place. I've been working with Averitt, which is a Tennessee company. I knew the CEO, the owner of it, Gary Sasser, became a really good friend of mine. He had a birthday coming up. I was like, what do you get the guy that has everything? And this guy loved his people so much. In fact, it was on the side of his truck, our driving force is people. And I wanted to write him a song for his birthday. I wanted to give him something for his birthday. And I was like, man, I can only think of like one or two words that even rhyme with people. This is going to be the <laughs> hardest song to write. But if I could write something for his people, that would be the biggest present I could give him. Long story short is it just hit me about three o'clock in the morning one day. I had gone to several of the service centers and cookouts, and I got to have hamburgers and hot dogs and talk and visit with the drivers. We did several, several, several of these events, and I had endless conversations with these guys. It's a certain kind of breed of people that can do it behind the wheel and that can be gone. Of course, those guys, they're home on the weekends, but it's still, it's not an easy life out there bouncing up and down the road. Two or three years ago, I got my own bus. I got an old vintage bus for my wife and I. We had so many shows, we just decided that I would drive the bus and we would just go and RV in between shows and stuff. We were sleeping at the truck stops and we were eating at the truck stops. And I was a pretty green driver, right? And being out on the highway on this big old bus, I'd never been so happy to come up next to a truck driver who was a professional driver. My heart would just calm down knowing good and well that these guys are pros. And if I got blown over in their lane, they'd have my back until I could really learn how to do it, which I'd driven a little bit in the 90s, but I just never appreciated them so much as I did when I was out there on highway with them. And I know how much they mean to my buddy Gary. When I found out that they struggle sometimes with health issues, sometimes the cost of some of the things that they have going on, we could use some help. In fact, I was at Winona Judd's house and Cactus, her husband, told me about this. And he said, hey, man, we're doing something really cool for the drivers. That's all he had to say. Was, I'm in. Just kind of been learning about St. Christopher since then. It really got me reconnected with Averett, who's also, I think, going to end up sponsoring part of this thing. It's a great group of people. A lot of these guys are coming out of military, some of them that are driving there and when I found out how our economy worked and how these people that get up and make it safe and make it there is the reason we have things show up at our door and the reason that when a pandemic or something does go, who was it that got out and was driving overtimes and pulling double duty to make sure that we still had hand sanitizer and face masks? I mean, these people were pulling in and driving their butts off kind of like the heart of a soldier to me, man. He's like getting up and doing it for the country and for our team out there. To me, it's nothing more American than a truck driver. I think that's awesome. And that was an influence to record some of the old classics on your album, was it not? It sure was. I knew Eddie Rabbit. Eddie Rabbit and I had written a couple of songs together. I loved Driving My Life Away was one of my all-time favorite songs, and I've covered that song. I learned a song Six Days on the Road from my dad playing in his band. It goes back how far it goes back. Dave Dudley, yeah, yes. Yeah. One of the all-time classics. 
And then I realized in my own catalog, I had songs I called driving songs. It's just the groove they have. It's about just kind of seeing the world through the windshield and the tempo of them or just kind of what I would call roll the window down and just drive and listen to music. Those kinds of songs. Gary and them, they asked me, said, hey, we'd love for you to do a little trucking album if you're into it. He said, record that song you wrote for my birthday and a few of my other ones. So it just kind of led to this CD called For Those Who Move America, which was something I did on the inside for them. And I went ahead and released that version of that album along with some karaoke tracks, retitled it so it wouldn't be confusing for Gary's company. It's called The One Behind the Wheel, and it's out there. I think we did Six Days, 18 Wheels and a Dozen Roses. Kathy Matea's song, by the way, Paul Nelson, I believe, was the guy that wrote that, the guy that I wrote Billy the Kid with. So I had a connection there. It was just my way of saying thank you to these folks out there that keep our country moving. Charlie's got a gold watch It don't seem like a whole lot After 30 years of driving Up and down the interstate Charlie's had a good life Charlie's got a good wife And after tonight You'll no longer be counting the days Eighteen wheels and a dozen and roses Ten more miles On his four-day run A few more songs On the all-night radio And he'll spend the rest of his life With the one that he loves He'll buy a Winnebago Set out to find America Do a lot of catching up A little at a time With pieces of the old dream They're gonna light the old flame Doing what they please Leaving every other reason behind Eighteen wheels And a dozen roses Ten more miles on his four-day run A few more songs on the all-night radio And he'll spend the rest of his life with the one that he loves 
You all have a new album to go check out if you haven't checked it out already. The One Behind the Wheel. It's got some great trucking classics and some new Billy Dean materials. Billy, tell us what you've been doing during COVID. Well, I tell you, back March 2020, we were scratching our heads. All the work got canceled. So we were kind of stuck here in the house. We said, well, it's a good time to just get our life in order. I had an album I was working on called Gaston County Line. It had to do with really writing some songs about the county that I'm from. And I was doing some stories on some soldiers, including my dad and his brothers. He had a couple of brothers killed in World War II. I was writing the music and kind of the dialogue and sort of doing these little story vignettes. It was going to be my big 2020 project, right? It was going to be a massive project. COVID kind of shut us down and I went ahead and released a few of the episodes on YouTube and I released the Gaston County album, a little five song EP, but it put big project on hold. So I got bored and my wife and I, we started going out on the back deck and doing a happy hour at six o'clock. Like, well, might as well have a cocktail. You can't go anywhere. <laughs> We started having a six o'clock afternoon toddy together and I turned on my Facebook live and just started singing cover songs. You know, I'm just going to see how many songs I even remember. And it turned into a seven night a week happy hour show. We did it for about three months. I think it was 40 shows in a row. Then everything kind of opened up and people were starting to go back to work. So now we do it every Wednesday at six o'clock Eastern. People can tune in. It's a free show. You can come in and check it out. It's kind of fun and funny. We all kinds of crazy things usually happen when we're trying to do this thing, but we still keep it going every Wednesday. If you want to, you can become a monthly supporter. We have other benefits for people that come in and want to support us on a monthly basis. I do chats every Monday with our supporter page, and we release new music that has never been put out before. We've got a bunch of masters in the can that's never been released, a lot of photos, videos that's never been released. So I started this little supporter page and kind of giving them some exclusive content. So we've been really trying to work the internet, and our fans have been very supportive. People generally have been coming on and becoming monthly supporters. They support our live show, our happy hour show, and they've kept us going, man, during this shutdown. That's fantastic. I hope they'll join us for this concert too and get to see everybody there too. I think that's great. I think I have a new Wednesday night happy hour. Yeah. Shannon, I'm glad Billy mentioned his YouTube channel because prior to the interview, I checked out just the preview episode. It looks fascinating. The Gaston County piece that looks like it's going to be a great project. It really is, Greg. I'll tell you, man. So there's 50 letters that I have along with newspaper clippings from the 40s. And these letters are all written by my dad and his brothers. We thought, and I'll just give you just a little snippet. I thought my dad was, he was in a mental institution. We thought, well, maybe he pretended to be crazy to get out of the war. What was the deal? And we just didn't know. He never said anything much about his service. He said he was in the Battle of the Bulge, and that was about it. Come to find out, he was one of the most 25 elite trained troops in the world. He wrote a book about his unit called The Odyssey of the 517 Battling Buzzards. <laughs> wow. That would just be like something my dad would name him, man. They'd guess something he would say. His name was Billy Dean, too. 
yeah, it started out as a kind of a preservation project for my family. I'm narrating the letters. We're putting them in sequence. And as I put them in sequence in the years and what was going on in the battles they were in, now we know, thanks to the History Channel and other documentaries, what was going on in the rest of the world and how important these battles were that our family was in and we pay in the ultimate price. It's heart-wrenching and it's also amazing how they could go through what they saw and then try to sit and write a letter without letting on to their moms the horrific battles they had just been into. Even that valor, that courage, you see the tone of these letters change over a course of the time. And it's fascinating and it's a project I plan on picking back up just getting started like it was I was gonna do it all in 2020 and then our publicist said well you can't go out and promote it I'm glad I did now I'm glad I waited because I'm filming stuff and writing dialogue now so anyway that's a passion project of mine you can get a little snippet of it on YouTube and a few of the songs are written around that well I would highly encourage everybody to go check out Billy's YouTube page because I spent 10 minutes there it looks and feels very important and there aren't too many veterans left and for you to reach back and honor your dad and his fellow warriors that way true heroes i'm excited to check that out as you get more episodes thank you man thank you so much i'm finding a lot of things out about this time and what these guys were about they made a lot of changes when they got back home very subtle it took a while but a lot of human rights and a lot of racial tensions here in the south People started opening their eyes. My dad and guys like that had seen genocide. and They'd seen the Jewish people, what was happening to them over there. We saw things really starting to change. Sooner would have been better, but I really think the way they raised us all made a difference. Kind of interesting being raised by a World War II veteran. I can tell you that's a whole nother show. <laughs> then to be a musician on top of that, that had, you know. So. Uh, thank <laughs> God he was. That was his soft spot. Now, Shannon, what are you most excited about for Billy and the Highway to Hope as you look forward to this. I'm just excited to really come face to face with music that has influenced me for 25 years. And I know that might not be the songs that you're going to be singing, but just being able to meet somebody and just spend a few minutes talking like this, it just means a lot to me that you would give your time to support what we're doing, to support these men and women on the road, to be a part of a concert that really during a time when we're so isolated and we're so far apart. I feel like even though it's virtual, it's going to be an intimate concert. And I feel like it's really going to be bringing people together. And music for me is just healing. It's one of those things where, yes, it's going to raise support. Yes, it's going to, again, shine a light on the importance of truck drivers. But it's also a healing type of event. I just hope people join us and give us a chance. We'd love to expand what this is going to look like further down the road as we get even further away from COVID. I'm just very excited and very humbled that people like Billy Dean and Winona are going to give their time and energy to something like this. I'm very humbled by that. Well, we appreciate it. And I know why it feels the same way as we have all had our families and our lives held in the palm of the hands of these drivers. And we've learned to trust them with our lives, with our goods and our country. And it's a big responsibility. 
we want to help in any way we can. And we love doing this. The only thing we got to do next is when everybody gets vaccinated, we got to have a big live show. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm already looking forward to that. We haven't even gotten finished with this one yet. And I'm like, hmm. So I know you've got an extensive catalog. And I'm certain that if Shannon sent you a request, you could probably work it into the playlist. I'm just getting excited to hear anything. There's, I'm Thank just looking you. forward to it. Thank you very much. Well, I think somewhere my broken heart and Billy the Kid is in the set there. I'm pretty hey. sure we put that in there. So at least we'll get those couple old classics in there for you. Again, just thank you for letting us be a part of it. And anything else we can do for you guys, please let us know. We love our drivers and we're ready. And I know they're ready to, mostly in our industry, I know everybody's ready to get back behind the wheel. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, we sure appreciate you being a part of it. And I hear there's some new Trop Rock coming out too. This is the whole Billy Dean moving with the times thing. So, you know, <laughs> traditional country to current country, back to traditional country, and now we're moving into parenthood territory. <laughs> well, that's where I'm from. I live on an island here in North Florida, St. George Island. I grew up in this area. Moving back home, man, it put me in a good mood and being on the coast. I thought when people come out and get to go to shows, nothing too heavy. We're just going to make something fun. Let's all get together and dance a little bit if it's not too out of date. <laughs> It'll never be out of date for me. I'll be 95 and still dancing. <laughs> I'm with you, Shannon. I am so with you. I appreciate it too. So thank you guys very much. Well, thank you for joining us, Billy. Appreciate your time and we will see you in May. Sounds great. Y'all have a good day. Once again, folks, we want to thank Billy Dean for joining us on the SCF Highway to Hope podcast. Greg Thompson back here with your Highway to Hope podcast host, Shannon Courier. And Shannon, I know it was a big thrill for you to talk to Billy because as you shared in the interview, you love his music. You've loved it for a long time. And it was so neat to get to know the person. It was. You know, his music has made an impression on me, gosh, for 25 years. And so it was really great to get to talk to him. He made me feel so comfortable meeting him and talking with him. And I just feel like he's somebody that I could be friends with and just sit around with. I'm excited to, as he mentioned during the interview, join his happy hour, his five o'clock happy hour on Wednesdays. So I'm going to be jumping into that as well. So maybe you guys can join me there and we'll all get to know Billy a little better. Let's talk a little bit about the details for May 16th. The concert is a virtual concert. It is on May 16th from 6 to 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Tickets are $20, and with your $20, you'll also get a free CD from Nastic from their Grando Trucking Show. That's going to be an awesome free gift for you guys to be a part of the event. I also want to thank as well Donna Horton for helping me put this together. And I also want to thank our sponsors. Without these main sponsors stepping in beside us, we would never be able to make this happen. And so thank you to NASTIC. That's the National Association of Small Trucking Companies and Averett Express. Without these two companies, this would not be happening. Now, we're going to have plenty more sponsors to announce as well along the way. But I wanted to give these two a shout out and just thank them for really covering the bulk of the cost of this and making this happen for us. Okay, Shannon, the most important question I'm going to ask you during this podcast series is the following. How do I get my ticket to the May 16th virtual concert, the Highway to Hope benefit for SCF? That is the best question and I have the best answer. 
you can go to our website at truckersfund.org and click on the slider that's on the main screen to purchase your ticket. Once you purchase your ticket for $20, then you will get a code to log in to the live event. If you go to the live event, you're going to punch in your code on the day of, and it's going to take you to the event. And let me just go ahead and tell everybody, too, this is a live event. Even though it's virtual, it is a live event. It will not be available past the live date of May 16th from 6 to 8 p.m. So if you don't have a ticket, you will not have an opportunity to be a part of this event at a later date. And it's important to note, as you said, it's a live event. So if you buy a ticket, you need to make sure that you have a calendar reminder or something that tells you that I need to be on my computer, I need to be at my device on the date, at the time, because once it's shown live, it's gone. Right, it's a one and done. So if you buy your ticket, we don't want you to miss this event. And it's gonna be an awesome event. It's $20 and you're getting five artists and a portion of your donation for $20 comes back to St. Christopher Fund and supports the men and women behind the wheel. So it's an awesome event. You know, we hope to be able to do this again and we hope to be able to do it live. So this is our maiden voyage for this type of event. And so we hope everybody will join us for it. I think it's going to be fantastic. And I hope everybody's talking about it later. So go grab your ticket at truckersfund.org. Set that calendar reminder so you can join us for the live event Sunday, May 16th from 6 to 8 p.m. Well, the midnight headlight blind you on a rainy night. Steep grade up ahead. Slow me down, make it no time. I gotta keep rolling. Those windshield wipers slapping out our tempo. Keeping perfect rhythm with a song on the radio. I gotta keep rolling. Ooh, I'm driving my life away. Looking for a better way for me. Slow me down, I'm making no time 